Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Mark Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Melanie. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Are you stressed? A little. <laughs> Me too. Everything is wrong tonight. It's all wrong. I'm going to apologize Everything. right off the bat. I'm sick, so Poor thing. if things sound a little... That sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean that sarcastically mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> so tag's gonna have to edit out some coughs so if things sound strange you can just blame it on me this week yeah and if things well this week and next week because uh we're, we're we are logging some episodes for that baby of melanie's finally yes that way you guys don't have to wait so you got two weeks of me sounding like there's a frog in my throat i yes, apologize because we are we are going back to the beginning and we are recording back to back for the next uh, as long as your baby's in there, <laughs> we're going to be doing two back-to-back episodes once a week, which could be anywhere from two to four to more hours of recording, <laughs> depending on what we are doing. And which means we'll know who wins the cryptid bracket yes, way before we will. We will, and it's going to be so hard to shut up about it. And then we're all discombobulated because we need to do this double recording. Things are all weird. Everything feels all out of sorts. We're recording on a completely different schedule right now. And we go to log in, and our our, our Skype that we record through won't work. Won't work. It won't load. My, well, mine won't. I guess yours is presumably fine. Won't work. Won't load. Won't do anything. So we're recording through something very different i'm very 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 nervous about whether it's going to do anything facebook to our audio. messenger yeah okay i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel we're over scraping here. bottom yeah we're we're uh, the hot mess express honestly so there's a pretty crazy uh thunderstorm going on so melanie just had to move a frog i did move a frog frog is safe did you move him, like, by hand with your hands? How else are you supposed to move a frog? I don't know, Melanie. I've never moved a frog. It was a big frog. No, this the frog sounded angrier than, like, a goose. It was just like, rah, rah, rah. And it's like, okay, little buddy. I'm going to have to move you because I'm about <laughs> to record and it's not working. Where'd you move him to? Oh, I just moved him to another, like, not, like, super saturated place on my porch well because there's lights there so the mosquitoes come and yeah so when it rains they like to hop up there because it's a big buffet and they're like yum and so i just scooted them a little further away from where i was recording okay i'm just gonna ask because i feel like if i don't someone else is going to buffet (laughs) are we sure about this (laughs) i know it's buffet but i like to say buffet Listen, after the brat diet, I don't know with you anymore. <laughs> no. I don't It's know. just preference. It's just preference. Okay. It's a buffet. Okay. I respect it. I like it, actually. I think I may even adapt it in my own life. It reminds me a lot of um, Buffon. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, absolutely. Which, speaking of which, Ava's been begging for a bouffant because of some books she oh. got. So summer's coming. I'm gonna have to come up with a cool bouffant for her. Oh my god, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, she's she wants it, but they they didn't do like a crazy hair day spare week at school, so. Mm. No, Buffon's not crazy. Well, the book she got, they were like pouring honey and shit in it, okay. and like putting things on it, and it wasn't like just your, too far. It wasn't your standard Buffon. It like had like it was like it had pockets. It held stuff. Oh my god! I mean that. Why? Why isn't that a thing? I don't know. I. What? Wow. Imagine if somebody was like, I like your hair, and you were like, thanks, it has pockets. And you just, like, <laughs> pulled out a dollar bill instead of, like, pulling a sweaty one out of okay. your bra. I might love this, actually. <laughs> we're going to we're trendsetters. Ava's a trendsetter. We knew that, though. Yeah, but I made her, so I'm taking credit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, God, bless your heart. I'm trying to imagine how tired your poor voice is going to be by the end of the second episode tonight let's let's jump into this for melanie's sake yes let's do our cryptid bracket i mean i think you sound kind of hot but your voice sounds tired <laughs> is it sexy i mean we'll let the listeners be the judge <laughs> um before we jump into the bracket uh we got a package today oh my god <laughs> we have like the coolest listeners on the face of the planet yeah. I yeah, I was texting Melanie in all caps, um, type yelling, How is this our life? So I went to the post office box this morning after I dropped the kids off at school and there was a little note in the box that said you had a package. We can't stuff it in there. You have to come back. It wasn't open. So um so I went back and I got a big heavy package from Allie Allie. You, Allie. 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 Allie got us Count Dante shirts. Okay. okay, that's not even the highlight, though. I know. I'm going somewhere with this. but I mean, yes, that they're incredible, and I can't wait to see it in person. And, and yes, thank you. I'm obsessed, but it's not even the highlight. Well, I, I got a, a game, too, which I can't wait to make my kids cry, because I'll win this yes, one, yes, too. Yes, yes, But cool here's story. the highlight cool to the cryptid bracket. Allie, we love you. This was really cool. This, yeah. This was some um, masterful cryptid bracket racketeering. Is that the word for trying to sway the the results of an outcome? The results of an outcome. God bless. And we're just starting. Sway the results (laughs) of an election. (laughs) I thought racketeering was like a big money thing. I mean, maybe. What is it? called when you try to alter the outcome of an election google's like tldr lady (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's totally racketeering uh, isn't it no i don't think it is i don't know (laughs) i've been so stuck with just the whole campaigning yeah yeah okay It, it doesn't matter why does it matter Maybe is it canvassing? No. No, not at all. Okay, I'm done. I'm stopping. <laughs> Everyone's screaming at their <laughs> yes. at us right now. Like, 
it's this, it's this. Interfering with the election. Okay. I'm apparently not okay, actually. <laughs> Electioneering, I think. What is the, Maybe. That doesn't even, no, that sounds no. made up. No, it's a thing. I just don't think it's this thing. <laughs> All right. It's right now a brat diet, I tell you. <laughs> brat diet. Buffet. Buffet. I love buffet. It may not be correct, but you'll you'll hear no protests from me. So, Ali sent us some. Is it Wendigo? Is that how you say know. it? I haven't looked up. We're not there yet, I, so I, I haven't. Feel like, no, I feel like you're supposed to know. I haven't looked up the pronunciation of it yet. No. I'm a procrastinator. I want to say it's, they, it. I think it is maybe that, and it's some. What do you think it is? I think you say Wendigo. it Wendigo. It's some Wendigo tea. She sent us Wendigo tea. Oh my god. This is so freaking cool. Okay, so now we've got chicken feathers and Wendigo tea. And we are and I just God bless it. I love this. We are talking today. It's gonna it's only a matter of time before we get what, Brianne. It, is it crass? Is it crass to continue um, running a podcast for like thirty years? What? I just feel like at some point somebody's like, "Hand over the microphone, stop it." You've been you've been talking into people's ear holes long enough. Let it go. It's time to retire. And I feel like maybe that time's like five years in. But I want to do this maybe for my whole life. No, no, we're we're okay. good. It's our fucking podcast. Okay. No. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Someone let us know what it's called when you try to sway the results of an election, though, please. And someone let I'm us sure, know when you think sure it's time for will. us to hang up our mics. Yeah, we're not gonna, but I mean, it'd be good <laughs> to keep an eye on public sentiment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so we got some, we got some teeth. We might get... Mm-hmm. Uh, a head in a box one day no don't give people ideas <laughs> i'm very anxious about eventually getting a head in a box <laughs> it feels like something that's gonna happen i told melanie earlier i said i feel like the ratio of how often i've mentioned that phobia and the eventual probability of getting a listener who's the bad kind of weird are they're getting they're converging <laughs> well we got chicken feathers and we got wendigo teeth Yes, no, and that that so, is so very wanted. But please don't send me a head of anything, but definitely not a human head in a shoebox. No, no, we don't want that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Or do we? Not even the head of one of my enemies. Please keep, <laughs> keep it. I mean, you can you can do what you need to do, but keep it at your own house. No, don't keep dead heads at your house either. Well, don't send them to me. <laughs> don't send them to me. Everybody just... Hold on to your heads, all right? Okay. Yeah. Be cool, guys. Be cool. You're so cool. This is a this is a really intense uh bracket matchup this week. Is it? You gonna make my kid cry? Oh, okay. So we got okay. the puck wedgie versus the selkie. Okay, selkie. Easy. Hottest of hot takes. Piping hot. Mm. Mm-hmm. This okay. So I did get my family involved for kind of the first time today. Um, are you sure that's the first one? Yeah, I'm positive. Sure? Okay. Okay. Because I, I thought it was I'm... last week. I don't know why I'm questioning the master. Of course it is. Okay. So 
I've already given you the answer, but I'll unpack that a little bit. Puck wedgies. They're kind of short, gremlin-y, nasty, not a fan. No one in my family was a fan. I think I liked them more than anybody else because I, I just respect pissy little creatures. But <laughs> very unpopular in my household, and I am inclined to agree with that. But I mean, you know, if it was matched up with something truly shitty, like... uh Oh, what did I really hate? Sinkhole Sam did not like him. Then Puckwudgie would win that. Yeah, it's Puckwudgie probably would have beat Sinkhole Sam. But I was like, yeah, Puckwudgie, you know, like one to ten scale, ten being the best creature, one being Sinkhole Sam. I'm going to give him like a eh, three. So, you know, he could beat something, but he probably won't. And then I found out what he was matched up against, which was a Selkie, which is a beautiful... It's like a mermaid, only it's like they um, they wear a seal skin as their, you know, swimmy half. They're and so cool. They are. And their name sounds really pretty. And um, my husband has been heavily pressuring me not to disappoint Ava. And <laughs> I mean, I, I would have picked this no matter what. It was nearly unanimous in my house. Um, no, actually, I think it was unanimous. Yeah, no, it was uh, next week's, which I do have to have ready since we're recording back to back. It was the next one that there was a bit of controversy in my household. But Selkie, yeah, I mean, come on. And I really think that you are doing your own not racketeering by pairing those two. Because <laughs> suck and Selkies are really cool. Like, this was never a competition. And I think you're trying to sway things to make Ava happy. Well, here's the thing. Ava didn't know what a Selkie was until the list was finalized and we went through. And she had asked what each of them are. And um, when we get close to the bracket, I'll Google image, which some of those are kind of hard yeah. for kids. but. Yeah, I, I did that this week, and, uh, yeah. She loves the river otter, and the selkies reminds her a lot of... Oh, yeah, I forgot about her thing with river otters. Now she wants, like, books on selkies, so if anybody knows any children books about selkies, let me know. You could write one real quick. Sure, I got all the time yeah. in the world. Well, no, I don't mean you, I mean somebody else. Man, you're getting feisty. <laughs> god bless it i am i i've been in a mood i'm trying to fight with the audio guy yeah he he was reluctant to help us with our skype problem <laughs> it ultimately couldn't help us with our skype problem he's gonna have to fix that tomorrow or he is fired but but yeah we're ready to do this we are and again for melanie's sake i'm gonna jump right into this what kind of awful shit you have this week Oh, pretty awful shit. I mean, not as awful as last week. It's it's hard to follow up somebody's spinal cord getting ripped out. But um, we are staying underwater. I dig it. Yep. 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 You might not by the end of it. Um, we are staying underwater. And there's a reason you may also be noticing that you are hearing my stupid voice two weeks in a row. More so than usual as far as the storyteller and that is not typical but i we did that when you did your count dantes and i kind of liked not breaking up uh that but specifically with this we're going to have a lot of the sciencey stuff from last week that is going to become relevant this week and i mean i don't know how long i can hold that in my head and i've been reading about it 
you know, five hours a day all week. Right. So I really don't know how long anyone else can hold it in their head. So we're just going to not split up these two cute little babies. And uh, we're going to follow up saturation diving with scuba diving. (sighs) I still don't think I could ever do it. No, no. no. My God. Um, We are still talking about extreme diving with this one i did not actually do what i meant to do with this i was going to do just a really classic compilation with with you know a lot of like little little stories but i found two that were just so interesting and so much meatier than anything else so instead you've just got a uh a weird (laughs) two-parter really selling myself here (laughs) subscribe to our patreon while i'm while i'm in hype mode um but no, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the structure, but I do think that it is unusual. So we're going to see a lot of the same stuff from last week, which, you know, just a, a very, very, very brief refresher. If you don't remember uh, going down, if you get too deep, you're going to get nitrogen narcosis, which is when all the nitrogen, which is an anesthetic gas, gets into your tissues and uh, yeah, you're drunk. And then maybe you're dead. But (laughs) if you go down even deeper than that, you can offset that with, you know, the right kind of gas. But then if you go down even deeper than that, you end up with a issue. I don't think I've ever known the name of this issue in two episodes. But you end up with some kind of problem that gives you tremors. And then you have to have nitrogen added back into your gas so that the anesthetic properties can help with the tremors which jesus christ and then of course even most people i think just kind of everyone sort of knows this on the way back up you got to avoid the bends bends are bad uh uh-huh when all those nitrogen bubbles start fizzing back out of your body like a shaken up can of soda and oh uh, nice descriptor yeah, well, I mean, it's really not me descripting it that way because I have seen it described that way in no fewer than 30 articles this week. So it seems to be the unanimous descriptor. So, yeah, you want to avoid nitrogen narcosis on the way down, then you want to avoid the bends on the way up. And it is all so hard. <laughs> so we're going to start in the blue hole. The blue hole. The blue hole. And uh, I feel like I have a lot of really childish jokes that I want to make, but I'm not going to do it at all. Can I do it? I can't stop you. I wouldn't stop you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I've mostly sent them to the audio guy as as I've done my research. He's gotten a lot of really, really, really immature blue hole jokes in his inbox this week. <laughs> So hopefully I've gotten it out of my system because I hate myself for this. (laughs) The Blue Hole is a gorgeous natural sinkhole in Egypt with the well-earned nickname the Diver's Cemetery. Ooh. Yep. It is a straight-down sinkhole with an arch that connects it to the ocean. So I don't know... I really want to belabor this point because understanding this, it's not a complicated structure, but I just really need to paint a picture for you because understanding the structure of this is really critical to the rest of this meaning anything. So picture 
just a sinkhole, just what you're picturing with a sinkhole. Um, but it's next to an ocean. Okay. So there's an ocean, then there's some land, then right next to it, there's a sinkhole. Now there's a tunnel connecting the sinkhole to the ocean. Okay. And it's all full of water. So got that? Got it. Got it. All right. So it's got an arch, connects it to the ocean. It is a huge attraction for scuba divers, but it also has a horrible fatality rate. Not surprisingly, since it's on this podcast. But it might be more of a because of thing than an in spite of thing, because all of the deaths just make people want to conquer it. One of the reasons for the danger is this huge, beautiful arch. And here's the thing. It's just, just beneath the safe diving distance as far as nitrogen narcosis. And like, yeah, like I already briefed you on this, remember from last episode, specifically you need one kind of air for a shallow dive, then you need a completely different mix for mid-depth, but then you need a different kind for a really deep dive. It's too much work to swim under a rock. Oh, well, I mean, it is pretty. Um, but it's like a tunnel. And so you go down into the sinkhole. I mean, that alone is really pretty, really clear blue water. And then you're down there and you see this arch leading to something with all this light on the other side. And it's a problem because, you know, it is so incredibly critical that you have the right mix of gas for each depth. You cannot mess with it. But the arch is three feet beneath the cutoff for the third kind. Oh. Yeah. So divers see it, and it feels closer than it is because the water is so clear. So they don't realize this. I mean, which, there's kind of no excuse, because, like... So, like, a reflective thing? Like, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear? Type Sort of. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't really understand that much about how distance and things work underwater but apparently it seems closer than it is water is incredibly clear and so they see it they get tempted to try to cross it but it's three feet below this cutoff (laughs) and once you're inside the arch there are no reference points and the light shining through from the other side makes it just feel very doable very close very achievable so divers who have seen the arch they say that if you look through it they would estimate that it looks about 30 feet long and they make their judgment about whether they have enough air to make it across all all this kind of stuff that's very um precise in scuba diving they make these judgment calls based on thinking oh it looks about 30 feet long but it's not in reality it's more like 85 feet oh no yeah so You know, they see it. They're like, oh, no big deal. They don't realize quite how far down it is. They look through, think, yeah, I've got enough air to get through 80 feet. They get in. There's no reference point. They get disoriented. It's like three times longer than they thought it was. And they don't necessarily make it across because they run out of air or just get lost. Just shit goes wrong. This is one of those instances where math is important. Yeah, for real. The difficulty with this dive is not the problem at all. It's actually the opposite. It looks easy and it feels easy. And then small risks turn really deadly really fast. So because it's so popular, there are also just an absurd number of dive instructors surrounding the hole. Just everywhere it is crawling with them. They're in fierce competition for business with very low prices. Some are more ethical 
and some are more willing to take a diver somewhere they have no business being. Uh, Russian dive instructors have a reputation for being loosey-goosey, and some of the other instructors call diving with them Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not signing off or not signing off on that, but it is uh, an observation among other instructors of many different nationalities, so... Um, I got a lot of information about this from a documentary called Monty Hall's Dive Mysteries, The Curse of the Blue Hole. <laughs> the Curse of the Blue Hole. <sighs> I definitely sent my husband just a, a close-up picture of a sign that said the, close of the, the Curse of the Blue Hole with no explanation. <laughs> because I am... I, am I even 12? I, I have a 12-year-old now, and he is much more mature than me in terms of this. I would like, say... Eight-year-old boy. Fuck. That's not good. Okay. <laughs> so they interviewed one specific guy who is a technical diving instructor at the Blue Hole named Tarek Omar. And it seems like maybe he's a little bit of a controversial diver. I found a change.org petition uh, with 10 signatures called Don't Dive with Tarek Omar. He's not what people think. Make him quit diving. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I obviously have no idea if he's a good instructor or what, but he instructs at the blue hole, and when people die, he is usually the one recovering them. He is the instructor and the uh, morgue. So, uh, like, just I know, like imagine is being... he like the angel of death when it comes to the blue hole? I mean, uh, maybe. What if he's <laughs> just like what if he's a uh, diving serial killer? If he's the one recovering them. Okay, I thought of that at one point in this. There's only 10 signatures because he's killed everyone else. Oh, shit. Okay, well, now we're courting lawsuits once again. (laughs) I thought we were good, but we're not. (laughs) Sorry. It's the conspiracy theorist in me. That's a good one, though. I like that one. Picture being like a mountain climbing instructor or something, and you're like, listen, guys, I'm going to teach you how to climb. Hopefully you'll do great, but if not, it's going to be me hauling your corpse off the mountain later. Like, what? (laughs) What? An insane double roll? No. Get two different guys. It shouldn't be allowed. I feel like there's a conflict of interest there. I feel like there might be, but there are so few technical divers even trained enough to do this. They're... There basically can't be. Well, I'm going to make my own change.org. Oh, damn. Why didn't you just sign that one? (laughs) Morgue divers. Melanie's morgue divers. I'm really not sure how that works. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sign my own name ten times. Okay. I mean, I support you. I'll sign it once. One of them will be in cursive. People can't read that anymore, right? I can well, you're. Well, I guess I already old. know this. Listen, <laughs> really, <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get age shamed by you, <laughs> the likes of your old lady ass. Um, so Tarek Omar has had to recover between 100 and 200 bodies. Yeah, of mostly. <laughs> of course yeah, he has. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see, point proven. <laughs> bad god now i'm like i'm skimming ahead to see what else is gonna make you think that oh no 
<laughs> just over here having Braxton Hicks you're just, solving you're, crime. Uh, listen, keep your baby inside, oh, please. Oh, inside the blue hole. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I feel like maybe I should warn someone. I should probably just warn you that I'm trying to get us sorted out and organized with some episodes logged. And I have gotten low-key scary <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I'm i turning into like a bad 50s boss who's like, can't have your baby. We're not caught up enough for work. <laughs> no, it's not time. <laughs> You said you were jumping with joy because of the package we got in the mail today. And I was like, stop it. Yeah, Allie almost put Your me in a Your baby's going to fall out. With her no. fan package. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll pull it this, together. This I'm is taking sorry. a turn. No, you won't. No, you really won't once <laughs> I get to the more details about Tarek Omar. So, I don't think you will. So how many bodies? Between 100 and 200. And they are mostly very experienced technical divers so he has a type <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh stop oh we're really gonna get sued this is so bad okay <laughs> he got his first he recovered his first pair of dead divers in 1997 <laughs> two young men who were known to be very cautious divers found embracing one another on the ocean floor Oh. He calls the body recoveries missions <laughs> and stop, stop. God, Tarek, you're making it worse. Okay, I'm shutting up. Okay, the next part's not going to be any better, though. The next part's going to make it worse. He undertakes them within two to seven days. <laughs> <sighs> Hopefully before the crabs can get at the corpses, which... As I researched this, I was kind of like, why two to seven days? <laughs> and now I'm really wondering. <laughs> maybe it's so the crabs can get at the corpse. Yeah. Shit. Easy way okay. to get rid of some evidence. Okay. So listen, we're now we're like one of those um, podcasts like Up and Vanished that's like solving an actual crime live on air. Yeah. Was it Up and Vanished? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So good. Yeah. You gave me that recommendation when I had a migraine and I had like. 30 seconds before I couldn't see anymore and needed something to listen to. I've been following some of Payne Lindsay's tweets. He said in the next uh, season, it might be a same situation. Like He should do the Delphi murders. Uh, that that thing needs to be solved. Pisses me I mean, off. personally, I feel like it is being solved. I don't know if you were following the latest developments with that, but... Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. His brother said he's evil. Ugh. And that he would absolutely be capable of that. Yeah. Which is like, wow. Ugh. Jesus. I've got some brothers I don't care for, but damn. Yeah. Gross. So, yeah. All right. So, they, when they're going down to do a mission, they warn the tourists on the beach what they're about to see. Tell them they can stay or they can go. Um, he only charges enough to cover gas and... Oh, God, this is about to make it a lot worse. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. He considers it very easy to find them, explaining, if I were to hide something in your garden, you would also find it pretty quickly. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> 
What did you accidentally stumble on? You should see my face right now. I'm doing like the uh, like the exaggerated oh no hand on my forehead, like unironically. <laughs> okay. Um, he can easily put the pieces together if he knows the details of their equipment and can predict what would have gone wrong. Once he locates the diver's last known location, he lets his body become dead weight, simulating a corpse, to see where the water takes it. Oh. And that's often exactly where he finds the diver he's recovering. Oh, so he likes to... It sounds like he just knows right where to find him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He uh, carries it or ties it to himself as he begins his ascent, and once he is... 150 or so feet from the surface he attaches an airbag for buoyancy am i saying that right because i saw some british guy say it a completely different way buoyancy yeah no you're saying it right okay or maybe we're saying it wrong together i don't know he said like i don't even know something really weird and i was like oh my god have i been wrong about this my whole life anyway he attaches an airbag for buoyancy and then he cuts it loose while he continues his own decompression process unencumbered and then i'm i mean presumably someone up above gets him not all of them get recovered and sometimes the families want their loved ones bones to remain in the ocean so they do uh omar was the first person to ever explore the bottom of the blue hole setting and maintaining the depth record at 357 feet and okay no this helps once he got there for the first time, he discovered an ocean floor already littered with bodies. Why does that help? Well, I mean, like, clearly this is going on before he even got there. But then again, maybe he saw it and was just like, shit, I've just stumbled upon the perfect thing. Look uh, how easy this is. Oh, my God. Okay. There's a legend that there was a young girl who was supposed to be um married in an arranged marriage she didn't want to do it and she died by suicide in the blue hole and the legend says that now she lures men to their deaths or just kills them in the water oh wow yeah um so just stay away from the blue hole yeah just stay out of it more likely it is a combination of the specific depth of the arch the availability of sketchy instructors, which I'm not going to say anything about who that might include, <laughs> and pure hubris. <laughs> that'll that'll hold up in court, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tourists call hitting 100 meters, which in American, because I don't know how to do these very logical meters at all, is 328 feet, the magic 100, and they try to achieve it so they can have bragging rights in the clubs, which are also all over the place because it's a major just tourist destination or even worse they like to party in those same clubs all night and then decide fuck it and just go for it already drunk even before the nitrogen narcosis oh sets no in. no yeah no they party all night and then hit the blue hole straight from there and it's not good not good at all uh, inexperienced divers attempt to dive without training, experience, proper equipment. Tarek Omar says they want to get into deep water before they get into deep knowledge. Which is a good line, whether he's a murderer or not. I like that. Me too. Um, it's such a popular diving spot that it's causing, like I said, with the clubs everywhere, but it's just causing the area around it to get developed really fast. And the hole itself... <laughs> stop it the hole itself is gorgeous and it's crazy uh near stop it near the water there is a rock wall with more than a dozen plaques in 
various styles from various families commemorating divers who have died in the hole. That's really sad. Yeah, it is. So you step into the warm water and then you're walking on rocks that are maybe like calf depth. And then suddenly there's just a 400 foot drop off. No, I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it. And it looks like if you it, I mean, I guess maybe it doesn't look if you know anything. I don't though. I mean, to me, it just looks like a kind of a regular, I mean, not a regular beach, but you wouldn't guess that it's that abrupt. It's just calf depth, 400 feet. Um, so one of the dead divers commemorated was Yuri Lipsky. In 2000, he traveled to the Blue Hole in hopes of filming it. He approached Tarek Omar about it, but he was shut down. Uh, Yuri didn't have the proper certification or equipment, so Tarek Omar told him they could train for two weeks and then he'd take him down. But Yuri didn't want to hear no. He wasn't going to be there for two weeks. He was 22, so he didn't have that frontal lobe all the way developed. And he didn't really need permission to do it. He just needed a dive partner and the blue hole was crawling with him. Mm. So he approached someone else and they were game. So they went down overloaded with equipment, none of which had the proper quick release mechanisms. He quickly got separated from his dive partners and lost control of his descent going way too deep, way too fast and filming the whole thing. He would have been narked out of his mind halfway down there's a video (gasps) really is this the one where you were messaging me about why does every video have a thumbnail of the terrible thing that happens no that's the next one (laughs) oh my geez his equipment started to squeak as the pressure built around him Mm -mm. and all he could hear was his own breathing and the creaking, squeaking sounds of that equipment starting to strain. Nitrogen narcosis set in fast and basically drunk. He landed on the ocean floor and dropped his camera. He frantically tried to fill his buoyancy vest with air so he could go back up. But what he didn't realize was that it was already full. He was just carrying way too much equipment. The vest burst, which is not great. He was beneath level where heliox was the correct form of gas. And if you remember from the last episode, at that depth, there's a neurological issue that causes tremors and needs the nitrogen put back in to calm those down. So the camera kept rolling as he removed his breathing equipment from his mouth, kept filming as his convulsions began and continued to film during and after his death. (gasps) Oh, no. Tarek Omar had to recover his body, and he still seems so annoyed 20 years later. Uh, Yuri's mother asked to have his camera recovered, and Tarek Omar still regrets that she had to see that footage. Um, also, a decade after Yuri's death, an experienced diver named Igor Shallow, which is really the coolest diver name of all time, yeah, entered the Blue Hole. And he messed up the dive in a lot of ways. He was noticeably shaky around 300 feet, but he told a Swedish diver that he passed that he was fine. He went down to 500 feet and then he stupidly, honestly, swam just above the ground. Like he, the ground was right under him, but he was swimming along it and he was just wasting energy, wasting air, wasting energy. Just, he didn't even need to be swimming. He just was. Right. And a dive that deep 
should have taken a bare minimum of 15 minutes to come up in order to avoid the bends. Um, but he went into respiratory distress shortly after he started ascending, panicked, and just shot to the surface. Oh. Yeah. There's... That's, that just spooks me out so much when somebody's down there, they're a technical diver, they more or less know what they're doing, and they just panic. And they just do something dumb, and that's what kills them. Because your, your body at that point is what's in control. Yeah. There's no yeah. logical thinking. Yeah. So there's a nearby hospital with a compression chamber big enough to accommodate six, which can sometimes save lives by quickly recompressing and then slowly decompressing divers with the bends. But it's a 30-minute gravel road drive to reach the hospital, and there are no ambulances. Igor Shallow is doomed before he ever broke the surface, and he never even made it to the hospital. The Blue Hole had claimed another victim, and it will claim many, many more. Tarek Omar doesn't believe in the curse with the young girl in the arranged marriage. That's because he's a murderer. In his... Okay, but the next line's a good line, but God bless it. In his words, Ooh. the people who dive here have created their own curse. Oh. Which is like... So you're victim-blaming. You're right. It was just like, a, well, but I mean... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to victim-blame, but like these are people who are asking a dive instructor, can I do this? And the dive instructor's like, no, it's not safe. And they're like, well, fuck off. I'm going to do it. I mean... Yeah. Shit. <laughs> like... That's rough. I mean, how do you not victim blame a little bit? Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it's Tarek Omar. <laughs> maybe that's why he doesn't believe in the curse. Maybe he is the curse. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry, Tarek Omar. I'm sure you're not a serial killer, but I mean, you're not, are you? <laughs> Tarek, I'll send okay. you some stickers. We're all good. We're just being I mean, are we? silly. We're good if you're not a murderer. <laughs> if you are we're definitely though. not good no no i i don't i don't want to say without qualification that we're good but if you're not a murderer i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry for what i've said so i'm trying now i'm thinking about the next one i'm trying to think if there's any way you can spin this as a murder plot uh no surely not no 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 okay <laughs> i mean it you probably like lay it on me. Okay. The next place I'm going to take you is out of the blue hole and in Africa. And that story starts with a young man named Dion Dreyer. Maybe it's Dreyer. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? D-R-E-Y-E-R. Probably Dreyer. Dreyer? Isn't cool. there an ice cream named after, like, spelt like that? Dreyer's? Maybe. Sure. Let's say Dreyer. Okay. Dan Dreyer. Another um, ironic scuba diving name like Igor Shallow. <laughs> sure. We'll go with Dion Dreyer. Dion. I mean, it doesn't really matter because I don't really like to. I prefer first names. Me too. I, I, I usually go first names too. Yeah. Um, Dion was a young man. He was born in South Africa in 1974. And he was a wild one. His brother said that Dion was in constant motion and all of his hobbies took things to the extreme. He didn't ride bikes. He rode motorcycles. He didn't just love to hunt. He killed his first buck at 10. And I feel like there's probably a lot of hunters yelling at me. Do we have a lot of hunters? I don't know. I feel like that's maybe not 
completely our demographic but i feel like there could be some hunters yelling at me that 10's not even that young but it it feels young to me because i'm 33 and i've never killed a buck so (laughs) feels early um his dad was a radio repairman and dion liked to design car radios but not just any car radios they were described as obscenely loud he didn't just race cars he raced cars that had been altered and upgraded to a whole other level he didn't just love scuba diving. He loved deep sea technical diving. Hmm. And at just 20 years old, he had logged 200 dives. That's quite a bit. That is quite a bit. One of his dream dives was a spot in Africa called Bushman's Hole. God bless it. <laughs> this one's worse. <laughs> this one's worse. The Bushman's Hole. Bushman's Hole. I hate myself. That's what you call Bigfoot's butt. Why can't we be a classy podcast? I don't know. Uh, Bushman's Hole was actually a cave. (laughs) Stop it. We haven't had this much problem since the Shaft episode, which is like a long time ago. Look, I'm pretty sure I'm running a fever right now, so you get what you get. Oh, God. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Uh, Bushman's Hole is actually a cave dive, and it was similar to the Blue Hole in the sense that it was straight down. One of its unique features was its shape. (laughs) If you... (sighs) Listen. (laughs) I was doing good. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That one was totally my fault. Tell Aunt Veda not to listen to this. Okay. I'll get on that. Please do. If you were to cross-section the earth around it, you would see what looks like a huge bell with a little bitty stick handle on top. In order to reach the little bitty stick handle, you have to go down a steep circular rock wall, and there you find the small, inconspicuous circle of water. People say it looks like a puddle. You go into it, and then you swim through that tight tunnel hate myself which is just barely wide enough for a person to pass through and then suddenly it opens into a massive beautiful underwater cave who's the first person that does this shit by the way um i think i might actually have an answer for you with this one Hmm. let's see also like the blue hole the problem with bushman's hole isn't how difficult the dive is it's how easy the clear water and steep column of water make it easy to get really deep, really fast. <laughs> That's what How? she said. Melanie. <laughs> okay. I just want everyone to know that you're, you're the variable here. Because I have gotten through all some of the most laborious research of my life on these last two episodes. And I, most of this went right over my head as I wrote this episode. (laughs) Having to go through the super tight Bushman's hole. (laughs) And and then you can get really deep really fast. Uh. (sighs) Okay. I appreciate it. It's nearly a thousand feet deep. (laughs) <laughs> and more people 
Like, I was typing this uh, earnestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was. That's the sad thing. I mean, the the blue hole in the beginning, and I think I briefly noticed Bushman's hole is a bit crass as well, but every other innuendo, 100% over my head. So now, like, when I'm saying these things and I'm reading these things, I'm not... I, I, <laughs> I myself am not in on my own joke. <laughs> Because it was not written to be a joke, unfortunately. <laughs> Usually when I'm writing something about shafts and I know we're going to have to detour, I leave some space to detour. But this is meant to be a very serious episode. So holy shit. Okay. I'm putting my serious face on. Bullshit. <laughs> it's nearly a thousand feet deep. And more people have walked on the moon than touched a bottom that deep. <laughs> childish or your childish because as i say it i feel like i'm the one making the pun of the joker that anyone know but i didn't even mean to (laughs) so maybe i'm childish because i can say that it's a thousand feet deep it's bushman's hole and no one's touched a bottom that deep and not even get it i'm like the six-year-old in the room that's missing the adult jokes there's your title (laughs) yeah yeah fuck okay only six people had done it and survived (laughs) maybe it might have actually been fewer at that point in history okay we're getting back to the serious part and that was exactly the kind of challenge dion lived for so when a group of divers with the south africa cave diving associated and association invited him to be dive support on a 500 foot dive in Bushman's hole he couldn't say yes fast enough he asked his dad for his blessing and his dad gave it his mother was less supportive as the day got closer and the family also lost Ian's grandfather in that time frame mortality weighed on their minds so you can see this is not meant to be okay (laughs) but I mean how (laughs) was it not okay Two weeks before the dive, around a nighttime bonfire, Dion told his dad that if he could choose his death, he'd choose to die doing what he loved, diving. Dives as intense as the one they were planning required extensive prep work. It was not just a matter of showing up and hopping in. There was planning, coordinating, practicing, adjusting, calculating down to the minute. And just before Christmas in 1994, three months before, wait, three months after his 20th birthday, the team went in on a practice dive. Reaching depth went okay, but then something went wrong on the way up. And 160 feet from the surface, his group realized they were missing one. They looked down and saw the light of a flashlight plummeting to the bottom. Dion had suddenly blacked out. Oh, no. No one knew for sure. Yeah, no one knew for sure what had happened, but it seemed to be one of the predictable gas-related complications that are a risk in technical diving. His team lost sight of him calling the idea of following him a suicide chase and he didn't surface he had drowned they were not able to recover his body his parents would not get the closure they needed but they erected a memorial to their son at bushman's hole stop it and tried to make peace with the fact that their son in their words had the most majestic grave in the country 
And that was the end of it for 10 long years. But wait, there's more. That's where the second part of the story picks up with a man named Dave Shaw. Dave was 50 and he was apparently allergic to having his feet on land. He was a pilot and when he wasn't piloting, he was diving. And not just casual diving, but extreme deep dives. Like, really extreme. He had a wife named Anne and a best friend who might as well have been his brother named Don. Dave and Anne had two kids, 22-year-old son and a 21-year-old daughter. They were Australian, but they had lived all over the world and then settled in Hong Kong where they were very happy. They had a very comfortable, stable prosperous i saw it described as prosperous life dave flew commercially and he dove in his free time and was a school teacher they were very devout christians very involved in their church that's a lot yeah i mean they they had it happening they were sorted out um their kids were grown in college in australia um they were super involved in their church and didn't have the luxury of living in ignorant bliss about her husband's mortality she understood who he was she did not feel entitled to restrict him for her own peace of mind she did expect him to take every safety precaution and keep her in the loop when he was working on something evil evilly, but she knew she could always lose him right dave and yeah dave and anna had been married since they were teenagers and they had already this was such just a, a constant ever-present thing they had already worked out the gentlest possible way for Anne to get the news if there was ever news to get Dave's dive teams always knew that if something happened to him, to contact their minister, and then their minister would tell Anne. Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. So, that kind of thing probably wasn't so much on Dave's best friend Don's mind, though, because Don was also a technical diver. Dave had a certain swagger about him when he was around his dive buddies, although... His friends from other parts of his life had no idea that Dave was breaking world records and doing things that pushed him to the limits of human accomplishment. Like, they knew he was a scuba diver. But he was probably super humble if they had no yeah. clue. Yeah. They, like, they did not know he was doing this kind of dive. Um you wouldn't necessarily guess from Don's demeanor that he was also routinely doing the same. He, Dave was known as a diver who, quote, dived to expand the limits of the possible. They made a great team. They were both highly skilled, both very adventurous. And I mean, really, the only way you could ever say he's less skilled is if you compared him to the other and the only way you could ever say well he's less adventurous is if you compared him to the other because they both had just both of those qualities and absolute spades but dave was particularly curious and brave and don was particularly technically skilled so naturally they planned to dive at bushman's hole dave went first but he had some very specific goals in mind he was not just purely diving just to dive He had been tinkering with a rebreather that he'd bought that had been developed by the U.S. Navy. So, I don't know how much... Okay. I don't know. Do you know at all what a rebreather is? No. Okay. Um, I only kind of (laughs) do. I don't... I don't have a full understanding of what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to be like, but I do know that the difference is that usually you've got, um... 
I'm probably messing this up, but you've got, you know, your air tanks and then you breathe in your gas mixture and then you exhale it. That's why you see, you know, the bubbles after a diver. But with certain kinds of rebreathers, I'm not sure. There are some things I don't understand about this, but there there was a type of rebreather where they could filter your exhalations so you could breathe them again safely. Oh, so recycling. Yeah, it's literally a rebreather. So this one had been developed by the U.S. Navy. It was pretty freaking intense. And Dave had been altering it and retrofitting it to sustain extreme depths, which rebreathers were not proven to be capable of at all. But well, he, so he's modifying something yes. that the Navy had already worked on? Mm-hmm. Imagine being so mm-hmm. bold to be like, right? oh, right. let me fix what the navy yeah no (laughs) well i mean yeah he he loved what closed circuit rebreathers could do they reduce the clutter of all those bubbles in the water from a diver's exhalations which i i don't really know if that had like a functional thing but it seems like it was just seen as cleaner and and just more elegant sort of and another major pro is that the recirculating air was warm and that added a benefit in thermal regulation. And the way that they altered the gas exchange could cut a 12 hour decompression, decompression, decompression trip to the surface by up to a few hours. Oh, wow. Which is a big deal. So he believed that closed circuit rebreathers were the thing. They were the future. And he believed that the one he was working on could hold its own at extreme depth. He was kind of obsessed with it, and he wanted to go really, really deep and put his rebreather to its next test. So he went in, and he left breadcrumbs behind in the form of a line of rope that he could follow back to the surface at the end. He reached the bottom of Bushman's cave, and then, for his next act, he would be so bold as to explore while he was down there which would be the first diver to do so in human history. Oh, wow. Like, I think it's a two or three had gone down there successfully at all, but no one had gone down there and, and looked around. That that was, I mean, they just went down and up pretty much. So he got to the bottom, the very bottom, which is almost a thousand feet down. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. He swept his flashlight around the cave's floor, which was a thousand feet down, and he landed on Dion Dreyer. (gasps) Really? Yep. He was laying on his back with his arms and legs reaching up, and Dave could see Dion's skeletal hands. He was still wearing his wetsuit. He could see Dion's air tanks still on his back, wedged in the mud. They, but that's the problem. They were holding him in place because they were like really wedged in the mud and Dave could not get him free. But it may have been just as well at that point because he hadn't planned for this. And this kind of dive had to go exactly according to plan, like down to the smallest detail. It was not a matter of like, you go down, you stay down like 10 or 20 minutes. One minute on the bottom added an hour to the journey back up Uh, to allow for decompression yeah so like being like oh let me just take a little detour not a small thing at all so one minute you know it's huge if you go down there and you're like oh let me just go over here and fiddle with dion for a minute and it's like three minutes maybe which is no time at all that's three hours coming back up Mm. 
just for those minutes. I mean, on top of the fact that you already have a nine to 12 hour journey back up and then you're adding for every minute you're down there another hour. So it, it, and another thing in all likelihood, if he tried to just move Dion without a plan, the body would probably come apart in the water. Right. It was, you know, presumably pretty much held together by the wetsuit. So he needed to come back at a different time. So he left Dion in the mud where he'd spent the past decade and he followed his line back out and ascended slowly and carefully, stopping at pre-planned intervals to avoid the bends. He passed Don on the way up, remember his friend, and he wrote on his underwater whiteboard, found body. Don raised his eyebrows and shook Dave's hand, which I thought was just such a weird, neat detail. Yeah, that's really cool. Of just these, these very, uh, cultural rituals we have that we're we're still just doing you're like in this completely weird environment i just i, yeah, I, I don't know no, that no i really got stuck in that detail um so he dave still had another nine hours alone with his thoughts as he slowly rose but once he was back on land dave considered this the ultimate challenge accepted he contacted Dion's family and he told them he was going to recover the body for them. They wanted that very much. So Dave, Don, and a dedicated team started planning the deepest recovery mission ever attempted. Normally, I mean, if a body was anywhere near there, you would not even. Right, right. Not. I'm just thinking like as a parent. Yeah, yeah. So... They wanted to film the recovery as a documentary, and Dave was fitted with a custom-made camera on his helmet. In the course of it, Dave told the other Davers very frankly that in the water, it's every man for himself. There is no cavalry. No one is coming to rescue you. You solve your problem quickly and effectively, or you die. The end. Damn. Don and Dave, yeah. I mean, there's a video, actually, of this kind of... I don't know if I'd call it the rallying speech. It's kind of almost the opposite. Um, Don and Dave both made it known that if they died in Bushman's Hole during this, they did not want to be recovered. It's too risky. It is, but... Okay, so there's a documentary about this called Dave Not Coming Back, which I guess that's a spoiler. Um, So they said in, in the documentary, they're like, yeah, I guess we could see that that could be seen as hypocritical and i'm like yeah it really could or you know what's your explanation for that and they just never came back to that at all so it kind of is but it's kind of one of those things where it's like does it matter because it really does seem to me like it i mean i don't want to slander this guy and i don't know that this even is slander at all but it seems to me that it was a glory thing ego yeah definitely ego um, but, like, I mean, does it matter? Does it matter if you are an ego-driven person, or at least you're being ego-driven in this particular moment, but it gives a grieving family their son back? I mean, what does it matter what your motivation is? But I do But I don't know, that that's his... just weird to me, because is the family going to feel, like, liable? Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> yes, they kind of do. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he did, you know, approach them before he planned this. And they, I mean, obviously they know how dangerous it is. And they did say that they did want that to happen. But it just seemed to me like his motivations were complicated. I don't think it was 
like there was a moment in the interview where Dion's dad said something about it. It's very intense uh, that someone is basically sacrificing for you in this way. And I don't know that it is technically. No. I don't know that it is. Humans are complicated. So, it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. I and mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it in a shitty way because I think that there are a lot of people, a lot of surgeons, um, first responders who kind of do things for the guts and glory. And I mean, it saves lives and it makes people's lives better. And it does incredible, important, necessary things. And I mean, does it really matter why? As long as there's someone who can and will do it, who cares? Right. But... Yeah, I do think his motives were um, complicated. So they spent months planning this dive. And when it was time, they allowed themselves an entire week at the site to set up. It was a wildly dangerous dive. Only maybe a dozen humans had ever gone that deep anywhere. And the ones who had hadn't been wrestling a wetsuit full of human remains in an unknown condition into a body bag. Which is very, very exerting at that Oh, I'm sure. Um, the bag was custom designed, made of silk, and sewn by Dave's wife, Anne. They designed it together and made it together. They had planned for every possible outcome. Dave had consult. I mean, kind of. They, they tried. Dave had consulted experts on what to expect from the body's condition, and he was definitely prepared to find only skeletal remains. I mean, he was expecting to find only skeletal remains. That's what he had been told would happen. They stationed divers at pre-appointed locations on the way up. None of them were allowed to go any deeper on any rescue missions. That was not their job. They were just human lighthouses on the journey with lines of communication to the top, I think, and definitely dozens of extra canisters of gas on hand. So it wasn't like, you know, you could be at 500 feet and you could see shit going south at 520 feet and you'd be like, oh, let me go down and help. That's that's not why you're there. Right. It's just not. Um, it's just not. So, ascending after this dive would take hours. And the day of the dive, they entered the water before sunrise. Dave had left a line leading to Dion's body on the first dive. And he followed it down. And Don followed Dave at a distance. At around 800 feet, Don felt like something was wrong. He was looking down below him at Dave's location where he would be but he didn't see any bubbles rising oh no and he could see the light from dave's flashlight on the floor but it wasn't moving like you'd expect it to it was just there and dave was taking too long they weren't supposed to go off plan and go deeper at all but they were really close friends and don was the next deepest diver after dave so he knew he would probably be going down to the cave floor to do what he could. But before he could, he ran into trouble in the form of a sudden cracking sound. <sighs> it was the regulator for his rebreather imploding under pressure. Which was serious, but he had, he was, I mean, he was actually much, much, much more experienced than Dave. And Dave was very experienced, but Don was like an instructor for the most technical possible dives. So he had prepared for this. 
And he knew how to manually perform the rebreather's functions, which wasn't ideal, but could be done. Um, The regulator was supposed to add a certain amount of oxygen to his breathing gas, but he knew how to do that. But it did introduce human error into the mix, and he added a little too much. But it doesn't take a big mistake to be catastrophic nearly a thousand feet below the surface. Right. So he could already feel himself having to fight to hold on to consciousness and very quickly having to fight to hold on to any concept of reality. He understood there was nothing he could do for Dave. Dave was either dead or solving his own problem. And at this point, Don was not in any position to assist. He was hours and hours away from being able to safely surface. And that's when he got a helium bubble in his ear. What? Which is one of, it, yeah, it's a thing. It happens a lot. It's it, it, You can get nitrogen bubbles during the bends. Basically, where you get a bubble is important. And in your ear is one of the worst places for it to happen. So Don was losing touch with reality. He forgot where he was. He forgot who he was. He even forgot what he was. And all he comprehended was the feeling of his body spinning in the black water. Ooh. Up and down no longer existed. It was just an endless black void. Spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Fighting just to keep holding on to the line leading up. He was in and out of consciousness, waking up again a little ways up the line and then swimming in tiny disoriented circles. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing in the universe existed but the light of his flashlight and the darkness of the water and the white rope in and out of his vision and his body just vomiting again and again into the water. It took every ounce of concentration and strength to remember to take each breath and then do it. Because, I mean, remember that that involves some manual work because of his rebreather. So it wasn't just a matter of, you know, well, your autonomic nervous system should do that. It, it took... It took collaboration between his brain and his nervous system, you know, his conscious brain. And it took absolutely everything he had. And after hours, he started to reorient and work his way up. Finally, after he passed hours? one of hours. Can you imagine, like... No, no. And you remember, I mean, no one can go really down after you. You, you figure it out or you don't. That's some Alice in Wonderland shit. Yeah. So finally he passed one of the divers stationed on the way up and he got out the whiteboard that they used to communicate and he wrote, I'm okay. Dave's not coming back. Oh, so the team shifted gears and now the deepest and most injured, but alive diver Don became the focus of their efforts. He had been under for more than 12 hours and was in grave condition. He was treated at the hospital and he did survive, although he had lifelong physical complications from this um but as he had predicted dave did not surface the team notified the minister and the minister notified ann ann didn't have the strength left to notify anyone else so the news notified the rest of the family in the world that dave had not surfaced until a week later he did his body rose to the surface along with dion's <gasps> what and along with his intact camera <gasps> what The film explained everything. It showed Dave wrestling with Dion's body and the surprise that Dion was not just a skeleton. He had plenty of soft tissue. 
that had essentially been turned into soap in the deep freezing water. His body condition was not what was holding him down. It was just his canister stuck in the mud. So when Dave got him free, unexpectedly, he floated. And that threw everything off. They didn't plan for that. They did not plan for that. And also just kind of as an aside, his head came off. Oh! Um, Yeah. Uh, I think. I'm I'm fairly certain. I've read that in a couple places. I can't absolutely verify it, but... I mean, that happens. That's like the foot thing, right? Yeah. I'd say I'm 80% sure his head came off. Um, Dave quickly got tangled in his line when the body suddenly floated. He got tangled in the body bag, his lights, the body itself, and he fought to cut himself loose, but the exertion was just too much at those depths. In the video, his breathing became more shallow and distressed until audibly he took his last breath, fighting to free himself all the way up until that moment. Oh, fuck. But in the end, he did recover Dion's body. That is creepy, though. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that. That's the story of Dion Dreyer and Dave Shaw. Holy. I was not expecting that twist. Yeah. There's, there's twists and turns all through this. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That got dark. You want some disaster relief? Yeah. Alright, you want to go first? Yes. Okay. Mine is our mom group. Aww. <laughs> okay, but you can't... I can't... can't I put can't, our mom group on social media. <laughs> I can't... I can't say the name of our mom group. Um, It originated from a very large, very, 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 very large group. And imploded a bunch of times. Um, we all just kind of found each other. This podcast was born out of our mom group. It's like natural selection and evolution for Facebook groups. It's true. Things adapt and proceed and get better. And I think it, our mom group is perfect now. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think we'll ever see an implosion again. Um, but I got packaged today. And these bitches, like, basically threw me a, a baby shower. Yeah, there was going to be an actual virtual baby shower. It just kind of didn't come together. <laughs> um, This is, what's so bananas about it is, well, one, um, so I made a baby registry because I'm cheap and I like discounts. <laughs> <laughs> um, So they pulled stuff you know this is my fifth kid i wasn't planning on having another kid so we got rid of everything and i mean let's be honest babies don't need much like a boob a bottle some love (laughs) it's good to go and um we never cody was starting his career we didn't have a whole lot of money um we never really like got to splurge on any of the pregnancies or anything like we moved around a lot. And, and so we always did things super minimum. So, um, it's not like you need any of this stuff, but gosh, I opened that box and I'm like, 
you don't need it, but it sure makes life a whole lot easier. <laughs> and I'm trying not to cry again. And um, I don't know. I just, it's blows my mind that there's just a group of women that I've never met in my life, like in real life, that I have this bond with that could do something so incredibly selfless and nice and I, I I mean you're very modestly leaving out what a ridiculously good friend you've been to so many people over the years I don't know but then I decided to go Facebook live because I'm like oh like these moms they they like just I mean spoiled me like the the amount of stuff and gift cards, I mean, I just feel like I won the lottery. <laughs> and so I went live forgetting I'm like the most awkward gift receiver <laughs> on the face of this planet. I'm like, no, 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 that's me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even know how to handle it. Um, But yeah, I'm very grateful because we do move around a lot and you hit an age where it's like, it's really hard to make friends, you know, like in yeah. real life. So, yeah. um, I've become super dependent on these ladies, you know, like I love my pocket friends and not cause they buy me gifts and all that stuff, but, um, <laughs> like I truly Your pocket friends love you. I mean, full disclosure, I was minimally involved in this because I have my own, um, very ridiculous baby gifts that I want to send you in my own special way. <laughs> Um, so I've been more very, very, very lightly involved in planning this, but just observing it for months, but you are loved. I mean, I don't, I don't think you know. It's weird. I was saying, uh, I was messaging one of the mom, the mom that sent it. And, uh, I was like, I don't even know how like this was arranged. And then she was like. You remember a long time ago when I reached out to you and I'm like, hey, this girl, I think somebody blocked me on Facebook. Remember that? <laughs> yep. And Okay, I was a little bit involved with that. <laughs> so, yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah, we had, we had to, oh God, that was I so reached stressful. out to, because we're in the same mom group, so I reached out to Brianna and I'm like, Brianna, I, I need you to invest, do some investigating for me because I just noticed that somebody in our group blocked me and this was pretty early on and we were like shit oh she figured it out immediately <laughs> well it's like i comments weren't adding up and then i'm like wait a minute i was like because if i hurt somebody's feelings or i offended them like i need to correct it and fix it and make you cookies like i do not and so i'm like you have to find out like i I don't care if this is a conflict of interest. You need to find out <laughs> who blocked me. Come to find out I was blocked because the mom group was planning this bananas okay. thing. Yeah, I just looked. That was all the way back in February. I looked it up and you said, I think someone blocked me. I said, why do you think that? Sweating bullets, PMing them privately. I'm like, she figured it out. She figured it out. <laughs> I'll have to send you the behind the scenes from the group chat on that. I sometime. think you told me that you were I mean, blocked look, too. 
Yeah, hold on. Yeah, and then you sent me a couple screenshots where comments didn't add up. And you said, please find out. It's killing me not to know who. There's 12 comments and only one shows for me. And I'm like, hold tight. The kids are brawling. They were not. They were like asleep. But you're like, God damn it, kids, knock it off. I said, okay, so I also only saw one, but then I closed the app fully and reopened it and they're all there. So try that. And you're like, okay, ha ha ha. It worked. I was about to start making a large batch of cookies. Why am I like this? <laughs> oh, I did write that? <laughs> yes. See, at least I'm consistent, if nothing else. So yeah. my investigative skills are really good. Really good. We might have solved a crime t- on tonight's podcast. <laughs> I knew somebody blocked me. And hey, if you're freaking ma- immediately, listen, just pretend you're mad at me, and I'll make you some cookies. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, are you are you good at making cookies? I'm good at anything in the kitchen. I'm really good. Okay. There's only you know what, Melanie. I'm I'm sick of your shit. There's only I'm one ready. thing I cannot cook. What's that? Uh, there was a donut debacle one day, but, um, it's, I, I, it's okay. It's okay. I, it, I got really upset and I started crying because I wanted to make donuts for my kids and I hyped them up and I felt like a big loser when they (laughs) came out awful. Um, but Ava's still like, Ava's like me where she's just like, she wants to be everybody's hype man. And she'll be like, so sweet. and she's just like, those were the best donuts of my life. And I'm like, stop <laughs> lying. Okay, I hold on. I pulled up the group chat on this and it, I, I sent a screenshot of you asking about the blocking. And I said, mayday, mayday. And Jennifer says, Jesus Christ, I thought that was, I thought there was a baby problem. I almost freaked out. And then we've got all this frantic trying to figure out what it is and jennifer says to be honest serena can probably unblock her now just delete the post about starting the other group um brianne tell her you see the same thing i said then she'll get obsessed with the idea that someone hates us both (laughs) should i tell her it's serena she can be briefly scandalized and then i can pm serena and she can be like what oh no that was a mistake i'll fix it and i'll screenshot that to melanie and she'll believe it and jennifer says no let's not scandalize a pregnant woman at all (laughs) Oh. oh god yeah Jen- jennifer saved the day on that one <laughs> no it's super impressive so it's like there's just so many layers to appreciate on this whole thing so that's my disaster relief this week is just you know what like i'm telling you i i there are so many toxic facebook groups out there trust me i'm in like every single one of them i love me a facebook group me too um but there's some good ones out there yeah we found one we found one we made one sort of we made one it's so small i feel like we all have a stake in having made it (laughs) yeah but it, it it's family it truly is family i mean it's small but there were 75 people in on this that's not small (laughs) it's a lot of people well mine is um simpler i mine's also a little bit of a repeat but not completely i know that early on in disaster relief i plugged the episode or not the episode the um podcast called you're wrong about yes and i want to revisit that and 
I love them more than ever now, and I would love to keep plugging them. But I also want to specifically mention an episode, the most recent episode that I just loved so much called The Chicks versus the Iraq War, which is about the artist formerly known as the Dixie Chicks and the whole George Bush controversy. And there's so much I didn't know about that that's a good i haven't listened to that episode but it's brand new i mean i guess it's not brand new it's about a week old but it um it's really good and i mean i thought i had followed that kind of closely but there was a ton i didn't know and also as a a bit of an add-on to that i would like to suggest that people revisit the chicks because they made some bops man of course they did of course i mean don't get me wrong I was an early adapter. I've loved the chicks all along, but I mean, I haven't really listened to them a lot lately and they played a couple of their older songs in the episode. And I was like, why is every single song they ever made? Not on all my playlists. Where, what am I doing? We're, we're big fans here in this house. We play the chicks. Yeah. And that's, that's why, yeah, that's why I sent, it's one of the reasons I sent a goodbye Earl gif to the audio guy in our group chat today, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, so yeah, check out the You're Wrong About episode, The Chicks versus the Iraq War, and then while you're at it, check out The Chicks. If you um, are a longtime fan, but you haven't listened in a while, go back. It's it's, it's held up. And uh, if somehow you missed it the first time around, dude, they're cool. Yes. Solid recommendations. I like this yes, week's. I thought so too. I thought so too. Well, you know what we should do right now? Should we? We should. What should we do? I think. I think I know. Let's do our fake sweet dreams or no dreams, and then record our <laughs> next episode. Let's make it sweet podcast or no podcast. Sweet podcast or no podcast. Sweet podcast or no podcast. <laughs> Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.